Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Sabi Sima Era podcast here on Spidey-Dude.com, powered by the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Before we get started, we got to thank our friends over at Patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. Finkman, Scott, Greg, Kale, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, Catherine, Kegar, Laura, Master Dramon, Ed Reynolds, Allison Farquhar, Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa. Thank you guys for your support over on patreon.com slash Spidey Network. What do you get if you're over there on Patreon? Well, you're going to get some exclusive podcasts with the Spidey Experience, going to get the exclusive Books of X podcasts, as well as the video version of Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. That is going to be the home for all the all the video episodes of that particular show moving forward. So if you haven't checked it out, go over there, become a $5 patron and up, and you get to have access to the full Patreon page. But if you just want to support us and give us a buck, we got $1, $5, $15, and $25 tiers. The higher the the higher the tiers, the more perks you get. So check us out over on patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. And be sure to join our Discord. Go over to spidey-dude.com, click the Discord link at the top of the page, and it will take you to our Discord. Join us where we uh, have discussions, and every single show has its own spot on our Discord. So thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Welcome to the Spectacular Sal Buscema Era podcast of the Spectacular Spider-Man comic book. I am your host, Dr. Chris. Today we're covering Web of Spider-Man issue 53 and Spectacular Spider-Man issue 153. It was just funny that both books are kind of concurrently in sync with each other just by like 100 issues. It's kind of like Marvel's legacy numbering that's happening on a lot of their books. Almost every book that's had a long gestating amount of books. Legacy numbering on their books is almost in sync with whatever the current numbering is. So if it's like issue Mm -hmm. 10 of the Avengers, it's issue 700 of the Avengers. Well, at least they're consistent. And like Amazing Spider-Man is like um, an issue off from the in being in sync with the actual numbering of whatever's going on. So like they're in they're ending Nick Spencer's run at issue eight hundred and seventy-five, and the regular numbering is issue like seventy-four. And they announced oh, no, wow. they're not relaunching it back to number one. Issue seventy-five will be the new creative team on Amazing Spider-Man. Did they announce who that team might be yet? No, but again, they've teased the 875th issue cover with Mary Jane and Spider-Man swinging off into the sunset together, which everyone's like, okay, issue 71, Kindred Returns, and Doctor Doctor Strange is on issue 72 with Mephisto. The marriage debacle is, you know what I mean? We have Mysterio, Doctor Strange, Kindred, and Spider-Man, and Mary Jane all on these covers, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, is Nick Spencer finally going to put the freaking marriage back into place? Because he's been teasing as it since Amazing Spider-Man number one. Mm-hmm. Holy. But yeah. 
time will tell. Yep, definitely. So, so anyway, uh, Drew has uh, the plot synopsis uh, for Web of Spider-Man number 53. Indeed I do. Thank you, Dr. Chris. I am Mr. Drew. And Web of Spider-Man uh, 53, written by Jerry Conway. Uh, penciler is still the guest penciler, Mark Bagley. Inker, Keith Williams. Colorist, Bob Sharon. Letterer, uh, Rick Parker. Editor, um, uh, editor. Jim Salakrup, but of course the editor-in-chief, Tom DeFalco, with another gorgeous uh, horror-inspired cover by Alex Savick. Published in August 1989, we are again continuing uh, Marvel's current trend at this time of comic books that happen literally within minutes of each other. So following Spider-Man's conversation agreement with the Arranger, he tracks down a bunch of moving cars with weapons on the FDR, uh, landing on the roof. He takes out the guards, uh, driving, as he tells us, which isn't as easy as it looks. The truck to safety uh, basically stops them, webs them up, finds that the weapons were for the Lobo brothers to go to war against the Kingpin, uh, and they were going to attack at midnight. So Spidey says, hey, I'm going to let my guy know so I can be all aware of this. Although Spider-Man literally says, this is your problem, deal with it, I'm fighting a gang war. Uh, Moving on, of course, we still have more of Peter Parker somehow still not realizing that that things are still wrong with J. Joan Jameson, but yet he keeps dissuading his spider sense, which is telling him, hi, something's up with this guy, but you won't believe this because you're so overwhelmed. Uh, Our our, uh, sneaky investigative reporter, Kate Cushing, uh, let's Peter know what's basically been going on uh, under his nose about, um, I think it's Eduardo Lobo, Glory Grant's lover, and what's going on. And Peter is pretty much mad about that. And even more mad that, yet again, uh, Peter's tip is dismissed by Jonah, simply because he's the chameleon and he's going to use this information for his own devices and still lets sleazeball Nick Katzenberg continue to be the new top photographer at the Daily Bugle. Uh, continuing on. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I made a mistake. It wasn't Kate Cushing. Kate Cushing is the person who works with him at the Bugle. The person who gives him the lowdown about Glory and Eduardo is Joy Mercado. My apologies, true believers. So you have basically that. Uh, Jonah is still working with uh, Hammerhead to instigate this war with the help so that they can basically rule New York with the, the Maja. Uh, more of uh, Mary Jane and her cousin Kirsty, uh, who just apparently shows up with just random bruises and whatnot, but just says, oh, I'm just really clumsy. Yeah, right. Either that or you have a fight club down in Aunt May's basement. So Kirsty is worried about Peter, who again, proving that she knows that Peter is Spider-Man. And of course, uh, you know, she thinks that she's fat and she locks herself in the, uh, in the bathroom. That's going to go over well. Uh, you have Spider-Man arranging to uh, end up at Glory Grant's Chelsea apartment. She finds shredded pants that apparently belong to Eduardo Lobo because he has an L on his belt buckle. Um, the Fisk Tower is pretty much reinforced to withstand everything, including the Lobo brothers. Uh, but yet again, this is all the Ranger's fault because had he manipulated the Punisher to take care of the Lobo brothers ages ago, we wouldn't have had this problem. So we have Spider-Man ending up at LaGuardia. He basically fights both of the Lobo brothers in their will reform, which is a very brief fight ending with them just come out of nowhere on a, on a helicopter. Um, Spider-Man yet again ends up in the East River, which he will lament about in the issue that Chris will cover. 
And you have the arranger realizing his career is over. The Lober brothers are still attacking the Fist Tower. And now Aunt May is really worried about uh, uh, Christy, who is now in a locked bathroom, passed out on the floor. Can't make this stuff up. So, yeah, what a interesting moving events issue, uh, which, again, continued the sop opera era of Jerry Conway's Spider-Man. So... I don't know. Uh, again, moved it along. Yeah. Let's go back to the cover that the Lobo brothers attack, both of them attacking Spider-Man and just werewolves and Spider-Man on the cover. Just uh, wolves in the night. Plus, what's the matter with Christy? Who the hell cares? Uh, we never really see her ever again, actually. This whole story. A- a- absolutely. <sighs> okay. Anyone out what? there with any kind of eating disorder problem, go get help. This is basically the whole, like, PSA of the podcast because that's what happens in the issue. And knowing is half the battle. Um, yeah, Joe. Basically, you uh, rent. I guess they couldn't get U-Haul. I mean, was you rent even a thing in uh, 1989? I I have no idea, but I know that you know they'll do those those little references because they don't want to get sued. So you rent U-Haul. I was like, it, it was uh, it was too funny. I was like, I can't. I just yeah, I noticed that too. It was like you rent. Like really? Okay. The guy funny. is wearing a Nike Just Do It headband. I guess this is definitely the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're we're a long way from uh, Hawkeye's Russian gangsters in tracksuits saying "bro" after every word. So you know, you, you got to stay with the times, Chris. You, know, you got to give Mark Bagley, still again, early Mark Bagley, something to do. Although every once in a while, I I I had trouble telling if one of the henchmen was a women, woman because of the ponytail. I was like, Spider-Man beating up a woman henchman, a henchwoman. Like, like no, that's a guy. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Ponytails were oh, damn, big back then. The Punisher confronting the Lobo brothers in their speedos looks like it's setting up the for the uh, the the most obscure gay '80s porno ever made. I mean, Chris, when we did review about it, I do recall that I was ripping into that pretty pretty hard because that that to me was pretty absurd. <laughs> like that that was some '80s. I was like, are you guys gonna flex as the bullets are like flying around you? Because this is a little much. Like I, I was half expecting a, a homoerotic volleyball montage. Was the arranger played by anybody on the Daredevil TV series? I don't think so. Although I feel like uh, you know that that friend of Fisk's, Wesker. You know the yeah. I feel the like one he, that, uh, he kind the of one that, uh, the one that um, uh, Karen Page shot or Karen Page uh, 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 killed. Yeah, I feel like he had a kind of a ranger vibe, you know, looking back on it. Um, I always throw Karen Page under the bus for what she did to Daredevil back in the 80s. I'm sorry. There's just no, there's just no, um, no going back. There's no coming back from what you did, Karen Page. I don't care who the hell was writing you. I don't care what right. people think about it. Frank Miller, just that's the way the character is. Um, mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's like every five minutes, there's like a bad shit thing that happens to a character years ago and they were doing bad things. It's like, oh, well, that's just like, we need to forgive them. And like, that's just like terrible writing. And it's just like, no, these are fictional characters and that is their history and that's who they always will be. Right. It's part of it's It's now part of the, 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 the canon. So you can't just bury it the way that continuity is these days. And then I yes, also like again. Actually, there was uh, Oswald Silkworth, who is the arranger, was played by the actor um, who was in uh, the 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 warden from Shawshank Redemption. 
I thought that I thought he was I thought he was the owl or oh. something like that. Oh, I, okay. I thought he was... he was the owl. I thought they both have the same name, Oswald. Oh, okay. I don't know. All right. They're but, the Oswald um... of the Marvel Universe. The only Oswald of the DC Universe, of course, is the Penguin. <laughs> of course. Oh, of course. One name. One right. name. Um, yeah, and then again, we ha- we still have so much more of of you know Jonah hating Spider Man. But it's just so amazing because I, I just still don't get like, how these people who are so used to Jonah 24-7 still don't realize, hi, this is a little strange. Like he's, he's being a little extra against Spidey to the point where he's isolating his team. He's isolating Peter. He's isolating Kate, you know. Um, and then everyone is like, well, he's, you know, on edge because, you know, Robbie's, Robbie is in, in prison. And I'm just like, OK, so, you know, fine. He's, he's acting out a little bit like whatever. But mm-hmm. and it it just still you have Nick Katzenberg is now his top sleaze and it's just like the guy looks like a porn director. It's just like he just looks like a slime ball. Like I'm just oh. like wow. The arranger, uh, by the way, we didn't uh, happen to cover it when he first appeared on the podcast. Uh, he first mm. appeared back in Marvel Team Up number one thirty-eight back in uh, nineteen eighty-three. Uh, oh, okay, uh, Spider-Man teaming up with the Sandman at a time when the Sandman was becoming a good guy for um, for quite some time. A brief moment, being a bad guy again. Yeah, you know the funny thing it's it's so rare to see like like you have these villains who are just, they don't have powers. So it's like, how can you really do anything that's of significance? But then, funny enough, again, the Kingpin really doesn't have any powers, and yet he's made hell of a lot of people's lives. So I feel like I just deflated my own argument. Um, yeah, the Arranger uh, hires the uh, Enforcers to go get information about um, a uh, like a warehouse and that the Hobgoblin is happening to be in, and Joe Robertson sends... Ned Leeds and Peter Parker to investigate uh, this mysterious warehouse, uh, which I'm sure at that point that point was tied in that whole Ned Leeds was possibly the Hobgoblin uh, thing. So a lot of players in that issue, by the way, that Marvel team up because the Sandman shows up there as well, just right. trying to be a good guy. And Spider Man's like, "You must be with your forces." He's like, "No, I went straight. Remember? Oh, that's right." <laughs> Well, hey, listen, it's just, uh, hey, oh, you mean Ned Leeds? You mean the guy who just reappeared in, in, in Nick Spencer's Spider-Man? Who got yeah, Betty Brant not uh, got Betty pregnant. Yep, great, great times there. Yep, I just, filled, I just filled her up with his clone DNA. Get it? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh boy, boy, this is not going to go well. This is, oh boy. Um but I mean, again, like, like a lot happened in this issue, but like, I, I think just for me, some of the pacing, like, I feel like I enjoyed w- a little bit more happened in 153 than this, because I feel like this was just kind of moving the story. Like nothing truly big happened here. It was just like, it was just furtherly moving the players toward the inevitable big showdown. You know, um, not to say that this wasn't well paced and and decently drawn and stuff, but I just really compared to some of the other stories. I just like I was a little bored. I have to admit, I don't know, how Chris, how you felt about it. But, you know, like, I don't know, Leo, I don't if you got to read it, too. I, I just felt a little bored by this. Like, it was fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, I've read worse. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean. Well, going through the issue, uh, that the whole plot line with Christy and, you know, her problems, and she's got the weird bruises, like, all over her body and stuff, which is very 
a news rule. I don't understand if that's what mm-hmm. happens when you're ma- that malnourished or not. Yeah, that was a little um, much to me. Yeah, um, Peter investigating the uh, the remnants from the previous spectacular issue of uh, Eduardo turning into a werewolf mm-hmm. and uh, his clothes on the floor. It's just basically picking up the threads from what we saw in the previous, you know, spectacular issue as they're trying to tie both these books together. Because Amazing Spider-Man is off in its own mm-hmm. little direction by, you know, with Todd McFarlane. Um, what's right. funny is that when Peter fights, when Spider-Man fights the, the Lobo brothers uh, and takes them on with the pencils by Mark Bagley, by the way, which are really good and would showcase a lot of his upcoming spider work to come, which he's going to be the mm-hmm. artist on a spider book for six issues coming up. The Sinister War, all six issues will be drawn by Mark Bagley. Oh, that's nice. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that's a separate series than what's happening in Amazing because Nick Spencer's writing both books. Um, while mm. that is running concurrently with what's happening in Amazing, Amazing's going to go off into its you know kindred Mephisto, Doctor Strange marriage uh, plot line. But the Sinister War right. will be a miniseries by uh, Mark uh, Bagley with alternate covers, uh, with covers by Brian Hitch or Mark. Ooh, nice. You know, yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. Like I'm reading the the Nick Spencer's Amazing, and I like as I'm, I'm enjoying. You know what Nick's doing with the chameleon and the fixer. Um, I think it's the fixer uh, uh, and on everything. But I'm enjoying the backups, the 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 four like three four pages of Otto assembling the Sinister Six again, and and there's really not a lot of dialogue and stuff for it. I'm just enjoying that so much more because I'm always gonna be a sucker for Mark Bagley's artwork. You know, right. I just he just gets Spider Man so well. I actually think he's he's a better Spider Man artist than, than John Romita Jr. Hey, by the way, uh, Leo, did you happen to see the uh, the cast list was announced for the upcoming new Transformer movie? Uh I did not, not yet. Yeah, yeah Optimus great. Prime, Bumblebee, RC, Mirage, Nightbird, Air Razor, Rhinox, Optimus Primal, and Scourge will be the main villain. Wow. Yep. Yep. Uh, Peter Cullen is returning once again to play Optimus Prime, and uh, I forgot who they announced as playing Optimus Primal, but a lot of fans are pretty excited. I'm wondering if it's Gary Chalk is going to come back to play Optimus Primal. Primal? No. But you know what? We we, we can talk about this on... uh... Yeah, yeah, no, no, it just happened to flash <laughs> on my screen. Spider-Man That's hung out with the Transformers, so it's all connected. Uh, by the way, so Peter, uh, Spider-Man takes the dive into the river. This is happening around the same time that he is fighting uh, the Rhino, Whiplash, and the Scorpion. And in one of those issues, he also takes a dive over an Amazing Spider-Man by Todd McFarlane into the mm-hmm. river. You know, and he does it from a really high altitude where he pops his head up and it's just like, ouch. And then when he finally gets home to Aunt May's house, he's got like bruises all over his body from taking a dive into the river. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so funny because again, like when I was reading 153, like, like I like that they referenced that, you know, like it was like, yeah, that dive. And now I got to ask, like, is it the amazing dive? Is it the web dive? You know, what is his dry cleaning bills like? I don't know. But I, you know, I like when, when that kind of continuity makes sense because it's like, okay, like you get this sense of things moving in real time versus like later in Marvel, like how the hell is Wolverine and new Avengers, but he's also over on, on utopia but he's also an X Force. But he's also in the Defenders. I'm like, how the hell is this guy in four books at the same that are supposedly happening in the same time? Like, it makes right. no sense. But you know, and then we continue this here with you know more of monsters versus Spider Man. Um, so, so I have a question on this, and I know this is dumb, but uh, so he gets There's no dumb questions, only dumb people. <laughs> 
Gee, gee, thanks, Chris. So he he gets scratched by the werewolf. So is he going to become a spider wolf or a wolf spider? No, they're not that kind of werewolf. Yeah, they're more mutants than they are magical. Yeah, so they're mutants. They, they, they yeah. have that in the previous uh, the, the previous issue. We talked about it. Uh, Eduardo went over his entire origin to Gloria just before he banged her. I was making. Say, uh, I was making. Mutant, by the way, I was making a joke. It was a bad joke. Sorry. Okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> just because no, you weren't paying attention to the podcast while we were recording, apparently. <laughs> hey, it's because we didn't talk about Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. If he if he was saying Baby Yoda, he'd be like. Well, what Spider-Man saved who? Well, speaking oh, really? of Baby Yoda's uh, big green uncle, um, in the uh, Web Zingers, which is the Web of Spider-Man uh, letters page, uh, they talk about what's happening over in Amazing, like I mentioned, with the Scorpion, but also currently running right now in Marvel Comics, and we're not covering it whatsoever because we just you know, <laughs> is Atlantis Attacks is happening right now in all of the annuals, and Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. number 23, She-Hulk and Spider-Man team up to fight the Abomination. Yes. Awesome. Which they did say the abomination will be on She-Hulk alongside Titana mm-hmm. and possibly Scar, uh, Hulk's child from Sakar. No way! I did yeah. not hear that. Can you believe that a gladiator didn't get busy with some woman on a on a on a on a gladiator planet? Shocking! <laughs> I just you know when I heard that they were bringing Tim Roth back as an abomination, I'm like yes, and yeah. You know, I was so excited about that. And I ended up writing about some of it on um, because Abomination has been out of play since like 2014. No, and 20, he, no, since 2008, when the Incredible Hulk movie came out, they have not been able, able to use him. But no, again, I, they, worked I was, out the deal, they worked out the deal to have, uh, you know, use Hulk stuff. And uh, I, I, I got to believe he's going to be showing up in the first two episodes that Mark Ruffalo will be uh, in on mm. S.H.I.E.L.D. He's going to be in the first two episodes because he's been seen walking around with motion caption dots on his face. No, Well, that is true because what I was talking in the comics because, you know, they, they try to mirror that. And recently Abomination ended up being uh, appearing at the end of the latest um, Maestro miniseries. He's apparently supposed to play a big role in that. And, you know, now and I hear it. Immortal Hulk. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's been a version of him has been in the Mortal Hulk. So yeah, so it's just like it looks like him, who I didn't realize how old of a, a Hulk villain he is. You know, it looks like Abom is uh making a comeback and it's it's great. He really is truly one of the Hulk's oldest and, and most constant villains. So I welcome back, you know. <laughs> but uh this one, I gotta say, Chris, this one definitely I enjoyed a bit more, and not just because Conway and, and Sal have just been consistently good the whole time. It's just there was so much more happening here, but God, it got weird. So I'll let you take the synopsis away for that one. Yes, so jumping right into it, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 153, published Mm -hmm. August 1989. Uh, Editor-in-chief, cover artist, writer, penciler, inker, colorist are all the same from our previous episode. Jerry Conway, Sal Basima, John Wilcox, Rick Parker, and Jim Scalorp. Okay. Uh, Robbie and Bruiser are working out in the prison gym. Bruiser explains why he took a liking to Robbie, and it's not a prison buddy romance thing as much as we kept making jokes about. The reason why is Robbie reminds Bruiser of his younger brother. All the while, mm-hmm. Tombstone plots to kill Bruiser in order to get Robbie alone. He can become Robbie's special friend in prison. 
Spider-Man hey. is still waterlogged from Web of Spider-Man number 53, encounters Hammerhead's goons on the roof, and is rescued by Jane and Jonah Jameson, of all people. Little does Spidey realize this is actually the chameleon in disguise. MJ comes home to find her cousin Christy being uh, put into an ambulance due to a heart attack, which is very surprising because she's only 13 years old. Back mm-hmm. in prison, Tombstone's men attack Bruiser and wound him. Robbie has the two hide out with Tombstone lurking not too far behind. Chameleon Jameson, Spider-Man, can't figure out why his spider sense keeps going off around Chameleon Jameson till it's too late, and he injects Spider-Man with a drug, which makes him a little loopy. Tombstone kills Bruiser in prison, and Hammerhead injures a drug Spider-Man, but Spider-Man regains his strength, defeats Hammerhead, and he escapes Hammerhead's trap, getting his bearing only to hear gunfire at Fist Tower as the full gang war is in effect, to be continued in Web of Spider-Man number 54. The entire issue mirrors the cover. On one half of the cover, you have Tombstone smacking the crap out of Bruiser while Robbie, in uh, with no shirt on, is being held back in prison by two guys. Um, the gay prison subtext is strong in this issue. That's um, so, strong. so strong. And on the other half of the cover, we have Tomb. We have sorry, Hammerhead uh, beating mm-hmm. up on Spider-Man with his adamantium plated skull. It says Hammerhead versus the Webhead, Tombstone versus Bruiser, two bone-crushing battles in one Titanic issue. And it's true. Everything that happens is basically mirroring the other events. Um, Robbie, I it's just kind of funny to see Robbie like so bulked up because I always see him as just kind of like not an old man, but I would say he's about the same age as J. Jonah Jameson, probably in mm-hmm. his late 50s or so. Right. Um, Hammerhead's goon squad all look like mobsters from a crappy Dick Tracy film, but that's the way Hammerhead... <laughs> I was going to say that. That's a, I was just going to say that. <laughs> like, like I, I got like flashbacks from the Spider-Man PS1 game when you're taking down the goons and they all just look like badly... I mean, you know, with PS1 graphics at the time, they looked just horribly drawn dick tracy <laughs> i was just like wow but MJ yeah, thinks yeah, that, totally. uh it's possibly aunt may no she's possibly thinks it's peter injured in his spider-man battle no it's her cousin christy who had a heart attack at 13 which i guess that can happen i looked that up it, if you are that horribly malnourished due to just lack of food you can have a heart attack that's crazy. now we know and knowing battle, battle. Get help if you have an eating disorder, people. That's all we can say. Please do it. <laughs> um, so I love these prison-made wooden guns. I guess this is the type of thing you would make with like a 3D printer today. That is what the thing people are so afraid of. When 3D printers were becoming the hot new thing on the market, people were worried people were going to make 3D printing guns and start using like plastic bullets to get into places that metal detectors wouldn't detect them. Like airplane and a hijacking once again. I, yeah, I, I've seen this and I... It looks like they're launching, like, it's like a modified harpoon gun or, like, some sort of steak shooter. And I'm just like, what? Really? And it's just, yeah, it's so random. Like, we can't, we can't, sh- it's it's kind of like how in Spider-Man, remember, they couldn't show bullets. Everybody had weird ray guns, you know, you had to show that. I was just like, so we can't have the, the, the not guards you know, shanking people, but we can have them shooting these weird gun projectiles that'll clearly kill a man, right? How on earth would that work, too? I mean, it's just the logistics behind it is is not fathomable. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little strange. Um, the uh, the guy that put the plate in Tombstone's head is mentioned, Doctor Harlow. He's also mm-hmm. responsible for the creation of the Fly, I believe, one of the many Fly characters. 
Yeah, I know that name. I don't. I just. I can't. Yeah, but you don't know idiots one... that Jameson is also hired to try and take out Spider-Man. Yeah, I just. I can't. Also, can we just acknowledge that literally uh, Hammerhead's backstory is essentially perfectly summarized in two panels, like beautiful that's all we needed to like you 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 get everything you need to know about him versus like oh let's just take this whole page of his origin or like two panels right totally like beautiful um hammerhead has never appeared in any media besides cartoons he -hmm. would definitely make an excellent uh live action villain if uh you know they 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 ever did that i don't you know we'll we'll have to see there's been no official word yet and who the villain is going to be in the upcoming movie other than possibly alfred molina but that's again unless i'm hearing it from disney and kevin feige i'm not believing anything i yeah and even kevin feige you know did you you do you guys hear about his cameo and the hellfire gala it was pretty funny i'm not gonna yeah he psych him and cyclops are basically talking and i think cyclops is just going like hardcore and Krakoa's philosophy and everything and i think kevin feige is like dude this is a wendy's like it's just so funny and i was just like what a random came because like the hellfire gala there's like celebrities and stuff but i'm like why is eminem and conan o'brien and kevin feige here like like dignitaries of the world i get but celebs i'm like okay fine but whatever. Sorry. Uh, uh, Bruiser, I think, would have been perfectly played by Michael Clark Duncan if they ever did this 100%. Uh, you know, as a character in some media at some point one day. But Clark is obviously dead. But that yeah. basically is who he reminds me of exactly. You know who he kind of reminds me of? He kind of reminds me of, of, of Sin City's Manuet, who was also played in Sin City by Michael Clark Duncan. So just fairly, uh, you know, just big, bald, African-American gentleman of considerable strength. Um, and I just love how this is all about respect. And this is just something that Robertson wouldn't get. Like, we're going to beat the shit out of this guy to teach you that you don't have respect. The, um, so. by the way, we didn't cover it only because it wasn't, uh, relevant at the time, but it only happened in a small, like one page thing. The chameleon took over mm. Jameson's identity in, in Amazing Spider- uh, Web of Spider-Man number 50. Uh, recently mm. Web of Spider-Man number 52, while Jameson is still tied to the bed, um, screaming at Spider-Man as he sees him swinging by, come save me, you web menace moron. Um, he recounts his entire life story <laughs> leading to uh, him almost escaping and then the chameleon locking him in the closet in his underwear. Did you find R. Kelly in there with him? Uh, I don't know about that. But uh, it is uh, the, the fight, again, the two fights are really mirroring each other, including Tombstone standing in the doorway about to kill Bruiser mm-hmm. and, or sorry, mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, uh, as Bruiser and, and Robertson are, are trying to recuperate and Spider-Man drugged up uh, with uh, Hammerhead in the doorway, the shadow images, again, the pages are basically back to back with each other or side by side with each other of what's happening to our two heroes, Robertson and Spider-Man. Mm, absolutely. And it, and it's so funny, the, the like the arena for Hammerhead versus Spider-Man, it's first thing, it, the reference, an Eastman warehouse that has to be a reference to Kevin Eastman, one of the co-creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, you know, you got this wacky little scenario like it's like a isn't like a like a like a prop house or a head house like i just remember a lot of mannequin heads around and it's just so weird like you know i just felt like it was just uh conway saying hey sal wherever you want to draw in the background of the hammerhead fight fine fine with me just make sure it's 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 pretty and he's like okay so it's just so weird but yeah whatever 
but yeah, no, the, the symmetry is just perfect. How, it, how much it really does balance and reflect each other. Well, the two fights. Absolutely. Chris. It is so. um, Spider-Man. Uh, Peter just doesn't understand why Jonah, he obviously it, it's, it's like, are you kidding me guys? You couldn't write that Spider-Man could figure out this is possibly the chameleon or maybe it's Mysterio again doing this. Right. It, just, it doesn't make Spider-Man be, he doesn't need to be the world's greatest detective, but he has run into this problem before. Yeah, and didn't he, like, he can't figure it out, but didn't he get really excited when he found that clue in the Lobo Brothers' like pants? It was like, oh, wow, I found a clue. You know, great. And I'm just like, Pete, you looked in it, you, you, you reached into a man's pocket and pulled out a piece of paper. Like, you know, don't, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. One clue. And he wants to catch his breath. He feels so sick just as Bruiser dies. And, of course, the alarm goes off in the prison and Tombstone caresses Robbie's neck in this very prison porn gay way i'm sorry it's just it's 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 a lot i just love how tombstone's like oh yeah oh yeah he's dead no 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 about it i'm like thank you it's like we didn't know right that that is a little i'm looking at it now you're right that is a little little too friendly yeah and uh this storyline continues continues onward um because uh which only gets worse in web of spider-man 54 and next issue when spidey comes to face to face with (gasps) puma returns who was teased about in the prior issue but yeah the fireworks Mm -hmm. that are going off at kingpin's tower immediately pick up in web of spider-man number 54 which we will get to in the next episode Mm -hmm. um the uh the letter page the letter page pretty much uh, goes over everything that we went over in the web of issue uh, right. but they uh they talk about how they're they the two are concurrently running you know one story after the other intersyncing into each other um mm-hmm. and it almost continues that way uh taking a break for a month or two while spider-man right. goes after uh robbie and tombstone in the um you know the hillbilly wests of outback of new york or wherever the hell he goes i'm assuming it's virginia um mm-hmm. until Boom! Then we hit Acts of Vengeance, and it's a giant, massive crossover event with all the Spider books with Cosmic Spider-Man. Sweet. But that's a few months away. Um, the cool ads in the issue: turn your home into a sewer with Raphael crawling out of the sewer in the middle of the living room. <laughs> Phrasing. Yeah. Uh, bubble, bubble. <laughs> the uh, the toy, you know, the the Nintendo game of the dragons who spit out bubbles. Oh my! Oh, God. I remember that. Call twenty four wow. hours toll free to order your Nintendo Entertainment System one eight hundred two five five three thousand. Everyone, call Sears right now if you could find a Sears that's not you know completely out of business. Uh, and maybe they have PlayStation Five because we can't find PlayStation Five anywhere. But ninety nine ninety nine would get you a Nintendo Entertainment System at Sears. Don't forget, this is nineteen eighty nine. So in about two years, the Super Nintendo would debut. Those kids didn't know what they had. Now, John Elroy's uh, quarterback. Do, what, when do you think we're ever going to see the Tom Brady quarterback video game series? Uh, you won't because uh, EA owns the rights to Madden and they won't let anything else succeed. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering when when is the Tom Brady son of a bitch video game going to come out? Did you hear about that? No. <laughs> Tom Brady called somebody a son of a bitch. <laughs> Highlight, one of the worst fantasy games to ever come out on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, but Super Highlight was so awesome on the Genesis. 
Operation Wolf. Uh, you have men on the cover shooting guns. Uh, do they make video games on the co- with the covers of people shooting guns? I don't yeah. think they can anymore, right? Like in the game itself, it's fine, but they cannot market people shooting guns on the cover of a video game anymore. Correct? Hey, it was the eighties. We had uh, jarts. So anything. take no prisoners, Leo. <laughs> Operation Wolf for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Jesus Christ! It is one video game after ad after another. Marvel bullpen uh, profile Sarah Touchinsky. Again, somebody else at Marvel. I just don't know who they are. She was the assistant editor to Mark Grunewald for the official handbook to the Marvel Universe, S.H.I.E.L.D., Solo Avengers, Marvel Masterworks, Nick Fury, Wolverine graphic novel, and the soon-to-be classic Captain America vs. the Asthma Monster. Yeah. Mm. Did you you say Asthma Monster? says this issue is dedicated to Frank Giacoa, an illustrated... Uh, an illustrator, gifted penciler who passed away in 1989. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, add him to the list, Drew. Damn it. It's someone else we have to cover. We gotta cover him. I know, Seriously, I know. Right now, because uh, I think it's probably important that we cover this guy. I mean, Stan mentioned him in the soapbox. Hey, listen, add it to the list. Just... Yep, I'm, uh, I'm doing that right now. There you go. I know, I gotta, yeah. I gotta, get, I gotta get back on my research, too. I just been so busy with everything, but yeah, no, totally. But no, um, not. no excuses. You see what I'm dealing with, Leo? Uh, I Why feel that. I want pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gigantic New York convention, guest speakers, movies, freebies, but not actually telling us anything that's going to be there. <laughs> New York Comic Con. Yeah. Um, and the Comic Buyer's Guide Fam Awards for 1988. Who was your favorite editor, writer, penciler, inker, colorist, letterer, cover artist, book story, comic book person, limited comic book series? I kind of want to look look up uh, who was the winners of this award. Uh, yeah, yeah. Drew, if you have any other notes while I'm looking this information up, go ahead. Um, let's see. Uh, things, things, things for Spider-Man. Um, well, yeah, I, I will say... To say that. I don't have to just edit this. Yeah, no, it's okay. No, I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> again, I, I have to be honest with you, Chris. Like, I having caught up now, I'm very excited about Sinister War. I think that's really going to be probably my favorite storyline that Nick Spencer's done since uh, when he did a, had Kindred royally fucking up uh, Peter. Um... Yeah, by the way, did you see, was it you, was it, I forget who it was, they said, um, I think it was you or somebody else, it was on this podcast, I thought, they said that Mm -hmm. the person that was revealed to be in the cell is Harry Osborn and Kinnerid is somebody else. Yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah, or it's like, yeah, that, 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 um, uh, Car, I think it's Carly Cooper is imprisoned together with someone who's essentially Harry Osborn, so either the kindred is somebody completely different than what we thought or he really is like a pre brand new day version of harry which makes no fucking sense right um for some reason i can't come up with 1988 but i found 1986 which is not really what i wanted because this issue is in 1989 they obviously want you know that they're doing it from the previous year as the comic buyer's guide which is still around because maybe they'll have it have it in the next issues Oh, I mean, like, oh, who won it? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, probably. So, you know, we can just... Oh, wait. No, I found it, but it's divided up by the years. Okay, so the favorite publisher of 88 uh, is not listed here. Uh, favorite editor of 88 was Dennis O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. Favorite writer of 88 was Chris Claremont, who was doing the X-Men at the time. Favorite okay. artist was Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Favorite fan artist, 1988, Fred Hembeck. I have no idea who that is. 
he's a he's a cartoonist. He's done funny character like parody comics of Marvel and DC. Okay, cool. Uh, favorite inker Terry Austin. Favorite letterer yep. was Tom Orzachowski. I don't quite mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I, I know him. He did a lot of Claremont's X Men. Yeah, he also yeah, did stuff for Spawn. And he he was one of the people who he was one of the, by the way the minor heroes that jumped ship from Marvel just to Image and joined mm-hmm. Tom McFarlane and Spawn. Yeah, I think he did a yeah he worked with Spawn. And he even he even wrote. Uh, I think I think he was the one who helped write. Their crossover, excuse me, with Houdini. So yeah, he's great. Uh, uh, favorite colorist was Glennis Oliver, who worked on uh, just uh, Justice League at the time. Favorite comic okay. book of 1988 was The Uncanny X-Men. What a surprise. No. Favorite graphic novel of 1988 was something we have covered. Guess what it was? Oh, God, something we've covered. The Killing Joke. Damn it. Did we cover The Killing Joke or did we just cover The Three Jokers? Uh, we covered Killing Joke. We, we okay. covered Killing yeah. Joke. Uh, favorite reprint graphic novel album was uh, Batman Year One. Favorite limited nice. series, Batman the Cult. Favorite painter, okay. uh, not listed. Favorite uh, character, 1988, was Batman. By the way, Spider-Man <laughs> won it the next two years in a row. Fair so here's, here's a breakdown, by the way. Favorite character by the Colin Spire guy goes from 1982 till, let's say, 2008. I'm going to read them right in order right now. Wolverine, Kai, Batman, Cerberus, Ruben Flag. I don't know who the fuck that is. 1984, Wolverine. 85, 86, 87, 88, Batman. 89, 90, 91, Spider-Man. 92, Spawn. 93, 94, Batman. 95, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> 96, Ooh. 97, 98, 99, 2000, Batman. 2001, Spider Man, because the Clone Saga kind of gotten over with. 2002, mm-hmm. 3, 4, 5, Batman. 2006, Batman and Spider Man. 2008, Batman. Noticing a trend here. Favorite cover artist, 1988, was Todd McFarlane. Uh, Favorite uh, story, comic book story, 1988, Death in the Family, Batman. Favorite uh, publisher of 1988 was Marvel, even though, of course, Batman sweeped all the other awards. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, By the way, from 1995 until 2005, Alex Ross won the favorite cover artist for uh, the uh, Comic Spires guy. I can believe that. Yeah. Just a little 1988 comic book history. Uh, We'll be back in uh, next week with Spectacular Spider-Man 154 and Web of Spider-Man 54 as they again run concurrently with each other. You can find me over on the Vlada Dracula Tales Facebook page and order a copy of Vlada a Dracula Tale. We are all sold out of now of the nude covers. I want to thank That's Entertainment and Silver Moon Comic Books in Salem and Epic Comics in Michigan for ordering all of my nude covers of Vlada. And also, last week, we posted a new episode of my other comic book show, Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash Podcast. Drew, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me. I'm on uh, Facebook, Drew Malo. My Instagram's GhostBoyMan1984. I'm working um, with Screen Rant. It's one of the comic writers, so look up Drew Malo's Screen Rant. I'm also working with Chris, who is definitely his own version of J. Jonah Jameson on his project, uh, which we'll see where that goes. I'm very happy to be here. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll catch you guys later. Yeah.